Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in collaboration with friends of the podcast Zurich and all about financing health and wellness through a captive. Over the next 15 minutes we are joined by three experts from across the Zurich family. We have Reto Heine, Regional Distribution Manager at Zurich Global Employee Benefit Solutions. Andrea Steer, Senior Risk Consultant in Health and Wellbeing at Zurich, and Dennis Cronson, Chief Sales and Distribution Officer at Zurich Livewell. We will hear from Dennis about Zurich Livewell and some of the ways it is supporting employers in implementing health and wellness initiatives, while Andrea will address how organizations' approach to health and wellness has evolved over the past five years. But first, Roletto explains the current status and approach to health and well-being by captives involved with international employee benefits. So, Roletto, what is the current status and approach to, to health and well-being by captives involved with international employee benefits uh, today? We see um, a growing interest in, in global health and well-being programs from captives in particular where they are reinsuring or considering reinsuring medical and disability insurance. For captives, well-being initiatives are basically a tool which can help them to control and reduce claims costs in the short term for medical and um, in the medium to longer term for risks like disability and life. And uh, normally captive managers want to know how wellness initiatives can precisely impact claims figures and how return on investment is measured. For example, if they, they are aware that long-term disability claims are tracking at the rate higher than the peer group, they may want to invest in short-term absence management tools and work in practice studies to help prevent or reduce claim costs. And this is, by the way, is also a reason for growing interest on the sides of the, of the wider insurance industry in this subject. Now there is so much more public focus in areas like mental health. In the past, well-being services were quite patchwork from country to country, depending on the initiative and uh, capabilities of the local fronting insurer. Whereas now, the large employee benefit networks are coordinating activity in a bit to be able to offer a more consistent and global solution. Fantastic. So, Andrea, more broadly, how have uh, companies approached uh, to health and wellness been kind of changing over the past five years? Well, we were already seeing increasing evidence that highlighted low-level well-being investment has a negative impact on productivity and performance. Um, presenteeism has also been on the rise and is very costly, but is very rarely or easily measured. But as we emerge from the pandemic, organisations are looking at their well-being strategies and really asking themselves what they are doing and whether or not it's fit for purpose in this new era of work. And the pandemic has certainly forced health and well-being higher up the strategic business agenda, but challenges still remain for organisations to properly measure the impact that their well-being strategies have on their business performance. This can pose a barrier to continued investment and belief in the concept of health and well-being. But looking forward, more emphasis is being placed on, on proactive and preventative interventions rather than reacting to declining health demographics and, and claims increases. But challenges will still remain around engaging with diverse employee groups and their specific needs. And, you know, as I have always said, there is, there is no place for a one-size-fits-all approach. 
So what are the new tools in terms of how that approach is changing, Andrea? What are some of the new tools and initiatives that are being used by organisations in this area? With the changing work landscape and a significant rise in agile and homeworking, we are seeing more initiatives and programmes being delivered in a virtual way or on demand. So accessibility and convenience is absolutely essential to reaching employees in these groups. So therefore, you know, we know that digital platforms, um, the increase in wearable tech is all on the rise. And this really stems across all four pillars of health and well-being, whereas historically it may have just been focused on physical health. But individuals are continuing to consider what's important to them at different stages of their career and their personal lives and how their work choices might influence their health and well-being. So whether this is negative impacts such as commuting time, long working hours or increasing high workload, there are positives that we're seeing, which is more flexible working and autonomy, which is really, really being uh, welcomed and, and should be encouraged. But health and wellness strategies linked to attraction, retention, motivation will start to become more prevalent. And those organisations who offer flexible and tailored health and wellness solutions to their different employee groups are likely to benefit from higher engagement levels, employee satisfaction, and also a return on, on their investment. So, Dennis, in 2020, Zurich launched LiveWell. Can you briefly outline what LiveWell is and, and how it is being used by organizations which are focusing on health and wellness? Thanks, Richard. Yeah, you know, the backstory over here is quite important, and that is that Zurich really did identify that there's a massive opportunity to upgrade and make more relevant the kind of old-fashioned relationship that individuals have with their insurance providers. And so they developed LiveWell as a capability, as an entity within the business to really deliver digital health and well-being solutions, which could really make an impact on an end user's life. So LiveWell really is a digital health and wellness platform, which puts a mobile app in the hands of the end user and provides them with a real bouquet of powerful services to upgrade and enhance their health and well-being. All of the kind of contemporary tools and engagement uh, opportunities, behavioral techniques, uh, everything that you'd expect in a premium digital service are included in LiveWell. So activity tracking, multimedia, peer-to-peer -peer or group challenges, individual rewards, et cetera. And really what that does is allows an individual to have a single point of reference to a plethora of health and wellness guidance and content and educational, educational material. And then obviously what we try and do within LiveWell is try and connect to other important resources in the broader digital ecosystem. Things like telemedicine, which has become such a powerful tool, employee assistance in the corporate environment, and it really closes the loop on access to care and support. And then in the hands of the employer, which is very exciting, we have the opportunity to aggregate and de-identify all of the user population data and present to the employer very rich reports which help them to understand the types of interventions they need to apply to, um, to impact more positively on the lives of their employees or their policyholders, et cetera. So in a, I guess a, uh, in a broad sense, that's what LibWell is, why it was developed, and it's some of its capabilities. I hope that's clear. Yeah, no, really interesting, really interesting initiative and, and looking to see how that 
is developed further and how it in, interacts, you know, with the employee benefits programs we've been talking about here. Um, one of the other, you know, issues with employee benefits programs or challenges we often hear about is the need for collaboration between uh, risk insurance teams and, and the HR teams. Looking back on the last 18 months or so of the pandemic and obviously continuing pandemic, how has, do you think COVID has emphasized the need for, for more collaboration between risk and HR? I think there was a, a growing push for the two faculties to align even before COVID. But COVID really has shone a very, very bright light on the deficiencies of the, call it the blended corporate health model. And it's really emphasized the critical importance of risk management and human resources to collaborate more effectively. And I think it's quite obvious to understand why. I mean, we we saw during COVID how vulnerable employee populations were, not only by virtue of their disengagement and their lack of access to work and work resources, but absolutely from their health status, their metabolic health status. And a lot of research is now emphasizing that employees will look to their employer to provide these types of solutions and obviously have a high expectation of their employer to provide them with the tools and resources to better manage their health and well-being. So that's certainly been a driving force behind the the alignment of HR and risk. But now even more so, I think we're starting to understand that whether we're talking about kind of life or non-life risk, whether you're talking about things like accident or health claims or workman's compensation as life risks or accidents or fraud or cyber risk exposure on the non-life side, they're all really rooted in human capital vulnerability. And so there's a big focus now on really identifying optimal solutions for risk and HR to align to improve the platform that human capital provides to reduce a lot of this risk that is uh, surfacing in organizations. And so as much as it was there before COVID, I think COVID has really accelerated and amplified the necessity. And we're seeing a lot of work being done in organizations, whether they have captive structures or without captive structures, to invest in the time and effort and uh, and funding of these types of initiatives. And it's nice to see very scalable solutions like LibWorld being identified as role players in, 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 in the intervention set available to employers to achieve these types of outcomes. So Leto, we've heard some really interesting uh, pieces there from Dennis and Andrea about uh, wellness initiatives and, and, the, and the Zurich Live Well um, initiative as well. So moving on to medical cover, why are organizations starting to consider putting medical cover into their captive as well right now? What, what are some of the uh, reporting data that captives need to do this? Firstly, medical is, is, is quite a high profile cover within most benefit plans to, to high utilization and premium volumes. So it makes sense that this should be in focus of the risk management teams anyhow. Its relative cost is, is very high compared to life and disability covers. Due to medical inflation and evolution of, of treatments, it has an annual inflation pattern which typically results in premium increases year on year, sometimes quite sizable. So employee benefits networks are now able to provide much more granular levels of, of medical data which allow risk managers to analyze the performance of the schemes and help colleagues in HR to make recommendations on scheme designs to improve the performance outlook. Networks being able to provide benchmarking data 
of customers and if guidance on well-being tools on top bring this subject more into the area of risk managers and access to this data is best facilitated by being a reinsurer of risk that is a captive which actually entitles you to to greater data granularity and this granularity of, of medical data is what will help local companies to identify certain health issues within their workforces so they can direct changes or health initiatives to the right area. So in addressing wellness, Leto, we hear a lot about how a successful employee benefits program needs the cooperation of of the risk management, the insurance management, the HR and benefits teams. Do you think that in addressing wellness through these employee benefits programs, do you think that is a sweet spot for the captive to play a role which does benefit all those areas of risk, insurance and HR? Yes, absolutely. Wellbeing is an excellent um, example of an initiative that aligns the common interest of both risk management and HR. For the captive and risk management, team, it's, it's simply a tool which can help reduce and better manage risk and costs. For HR, a wellness offering will make the company more attractive for new employees or talents and is actually better aligned to the modern day expectations of younger workers. An active wellness program aligns with the strategic objectives of the global organization and um, a healthy, happy workforce will be more productive and use the time spent by HR in managing absence. In other words, uh, a win-win situation. Ultimately, prevention is always better than cure. Well, thank you to Leto Heine, Andrea Steer and Dennis Cronson for a very informative episode on financing health and wellness initiatives through a captive. It is certainly a topic that continues to drive growth and new activity in the captive market and I expect we will see further developments in the short to medium term. If you would like further information on Zurich Global Employee Benefit Solutions and their captive services then do visit the globalcaptivepodcast.com website and check out their friend of the podcast page. On the website, you will also find biographies of all of our guests, and I'll put some links in the episode show notes. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives. Mm